0: Coyotes fascinate me. In my neighborhood, coyotes are everywhere, but you rarely see them in the daytime. There are so many coyotes near us that every six months or so, the city puts up these large warning signs that read, coyotes spotted in this area. And then in this bold face print right underneath this large warning, be sure to leash your pets. And just so you get the point, there's a graphic image, a picture, where they get these pictures with the pet owner and he has this frighteningly sad expression on his face and the conclusion is clear, that guy's little dog just got eaten by a coyote that family's dog became lunch for a coyote when we first moved into this neighborhood I didn't have a lot of experiences with coyotes before and one time late In the middle of the night, I woke up to this blood curdling sound, as if a baby was crying aloud, but not the sort of normal cry of a baby, like this awful, painful, God-forsaken cry. So I ran outside, thinking that a child wasn't safe, and saw a pack of coyotes shuffle away, licking their lips from another bunny kill late in the night. Then I started sort of studying and reading more about coyotes, trying to figure out these fascinating and strange creatures. And I learned about their longevity, their adaptability, how depending on conditions and the available resources in the time and place they're living, they can be vegetarians or carnivores. These animals are survivors. I watched YouTube videos of coyotes jumping up to grab figs out of trees late in the night. And I watch other videos about their intelligence and their stealth. Ecologists say that coyotes are the most vocal of wild North American animals. Not only do coyotes use woofs and growls, huffs and barks, but they also use as alarms near their den sites to communicate with their pups. They can lower or higher the intensity of these growls depending on what they need to communicate, depending on the danger level they're trying to communicate. They also use yelps and whines to greet one another or as an acknowledgement of submission. Then there's the familiar hoo-hoo-hoo's and the group yip-howls that they also use. These fascinating animals have this incredible vocal range to them. One day, just a couple of years ago, I went on a run and I turned a corner and ran into a coyote. The only way that I can describe this is a kind of like Holy fear seized my whole body. And some choice words definitely came out of my mouth. It was terrifying. But there was this strangeness that it was also exhilarating. I couldn't stop shaking for at least an hour. There I stood, like paw to toe with this incredibly mystical creature, the coyote. But don't worry. I'm still alive or I wouldn't have been able to record this podcast and write this poem. So this experience shook me. And as I started to sort of press my pencil onto paper to think about this experience, I couldn't stop thinking about the way this coyote sort of made me think about God. I know it's strange, but this experience was so mysterious, so holy and terrifying that I started sort of writing on my paper these questions. Was this what Moses felt like when he encountered the burning bush? Then I started asking myself, in what ways is God like a coyote? And finally, I let myself be bold and state the unthinkable. I went beyond a sort of simple simile of comparisons to a metaphor. I wrote on my paper, God is a coyote. And this became kind of the synergy for this poem. I wanted to really think about what it would mean that I encountered God, what it would what it would mean to say this about God. So I know this statement can be confusing and maybe even a little jarring, maybe even kind of a little weird. God is a coyote. But this pushed me to some really exciting insights about God in my own life. And it made for a poem that I think you are going to love. So I want to talk a little bit about metaphor and the way metaphor works. I found also that I'm not alone in making this comparison to God and the coyotes. In a fascinating book called Coyote America, A Natural and Supernatural History, I found this description, the intelligence and flexibility that evolution bequeathed this small wolf was undoubtedly most important of all. Southwestern Hispanos had a rich folk tradition about coyotes and have said that the only thing smarter than a coyote is God. It is a certainty that only humans and a handful of other species are capable of the variety of lifestyles coyotes can lead, from living with a pack and cooperating cleverly to attain group goals to slipping into the cracks of the world to fend for themselves as lone individuals. But other factors were at play, an obvious one from their history is that coyotes, at least some coyotes, not only survive among humans, but have long quested after opportunities among us as a part of their evolving way of life. Unlike so many other wild animals, coyotes have been seeking humans out from the time we arrived in America, almost testing how closely they and we can function in the world. This striking trait has created an unusual history. I love that description on the stealth and the intrigue and the comparison with God and this sort of closeness and this distance that coyotes play with human beings throughout human history. And so that set me up to really think about this metaphor. What does it mean when we say God is a coyote? What is a metaphor? Aristotle wrote that a metaphor is the transferred use of a term that properly belongs to something else. Metaphors are tools for thinking that help us compare things. This, this definition by Aristotle, it's actually helpful, but quite broad because we, a lot of things could be comparison. A lot of things could be transferred of something else. So we need to dive just a little bit deeper, but this is a helpful way to start our thinking. Alistair McGrath, a the theologian, has a, a nice way of saying what a metaphor is. A metaphor is a way of speaking about one thing in terms which are suggestive of another. So this way of thinking, another more popular metaphor, let's use another more popular metaphor for speaking about God. God is a shepherd. So the phrase is not saying that God is literally like a shepherd, but it suggests that God is in some ways like a shepherd, one who cares for the sheep. Metaphors add new layers that haven't been considered to familiar words or concepts. God is a friend. This metaphor invites us to think about the ways God is like a friend and the ways that God is not like a friend. Or think of the metaphor we're pursuing here. Back to that again. God is a coyote. This metaphor is saying that God is is not literally like a coyote, but the comparison is inviting us to consider in what ways God is like a coyote. It's scary and bold thought experiment, isn't it? metaphors are bold. Metaphors are sort of provocative because they, are, they deconstruct some of the common ways we think about God, but they're also helpful for rebuilding and constructing a life with God. Metaphors involve this sense of surprise. They pull you up short. They stop you in their tracks. Metaphors say, WTF. We're going to keep it fun on this podcast, Right. Metaphors have this initial disbelief, this surprise skepticism built within them that pulls or invites us to new ways of thinking. Metaphors like God is a coyote allow us to see a familiar thing in a new light. In this case, the familiar is God, which heightens its importance because the concept of God is loaded with us for meaning. Metaphors allow us to see things in new ways. Ways, they're tools for our thinking that sort of build for us a life and deconstruct negative ways or false ways we have thought. Here's why this is really important when we talk about God and metaphors. Using metaphors jar us from our common everyday way of talking about God in order to make sure that we are not making God into our own image. What's dangerous about talking about God is that our thoughts can become stale, static, Or our thoughts can get stuck in useless or at least and sometimes damaging cliches about God. Metaphors keep our understanding of God dynamic, otherworldly, fresh, um, challenging, inspiring. So let's just sort of pull back now and let's talk about why metaphors are necessary and why they're really therapeutic for our thinking about God. And the first thing I'd say is that metaphors simply they imply a similarity and a dissimilarity. So our metaphor mingles similarity and dissimilarity. Both have parallels and divergences between the two objects being compared. God is like a coyote, but God is not like a coyote. So let's consider another metaphor. God is a mother. I love this way of thinking because it pushes us in so many ways because for so long in the Christian tradition, we have used this wonderful metaphor of God as a father. But let's, let's consider just for a couple of minutes, God is a mother. I, f- I came across this incredibly wonderful description by Sally McFaig, uh, a theologian who does a lot with metaphor. And she writes this about God as a mother. She says, metaphor always has the character of is and is not. An assertion is made, but as a likely account rather than a definition. That is to say, God is Mother is not to define God as Mother, nor to assert identity between the terms God and Mother, but to suggest that we consider what we do not know how to talk about God, relating to God, through the metaphor of Mother. The assumption here is that all talk of God is indirect. No word or phrase is referred directly to God. For God language can refer only through the detour of a description that properly belongs elsewhere. So she's hinting at this incredibly beautiful idea in the Christian tradition of God's kind of um, otherness than humanity, The, the very definition, divinity, and all the attributes of this God that we, this sort of God concept, this idea, this mystery, this divine energy force, and then humanity, by definition, this fragility that we hold, this sort of limited perspective and scope. And so humans... When we talk about God, we always use metaphors and it's become honest in this, that it can be very helpful. She goes on and she says, to speak of God as mother is to invite us to consider some qualities associated with mothering as on partial, but perhaps illuminating way of speaking of certain aspects of God's relationship with us. Yes. Isn't that just so beautiful? Beautiful. To say God as mother gets us to say, no, not all the experiences that we have had of God as a mother, like not all the experiences we had with our mothers. There, there's, there was hard things. There were really hard things. They were human. They, they made mistakes. They failed. But there are certain things about their motherhood that teach us, that give us sort of a glimpse, a shimmering light into the very identity, the, I, the character, the what God is like. So to speak of God as mother, is to invite us to consider some qualities associated with mothering as a partial but perhaps illuminating way of speaking of certain aspects of God's relationship with us. So it's helpful here to note, with this being said, that to speak of God as Father should be seen also as a metaphor rather than an analogy, implying significant differences between God and Father rather than, as in the case of analogy, a direct line of similarities. So the same thing applies. Uh, A lot of people have had, have a hard time talking about God as father, and that's because they've used it as a direct analogy when thinking of it as a metaphor of being able to parse out what is true and not true about this metaphor, what is human and what those aspects of of fatherhood relate to God is incredibly helpful. So metaphors imply the similarity and dissimilarity and being able to think about these is helpful for how we think about God. The second one is metaphors cannot be reduced to definitive statements. When we use a metaphor like God is a coyote or God is a shepherd or God is a father or mother, we are not making definitive once and for all statements. Instead, we are always parsing the similarities and differences between the object and God. This means that when we use metaphors, there's always ongoing mysteries, open-ended questions. Our ideas about God are always able to change and grow, to evolve, to reach and stretch. Metaphors keep our faith healthy and growing, expansive in new and fresh ways. So the second one is metaphors cannot be reduced to definitive statements. The third thing is metaphors inspire new insights about God. Metaphors inspire new insights. Through a metaphor such as God is a coyote, we gain new knowledge about God. Metaphors help us to be self-reflective. Metaphors allow for illumination that can trigger new insights and add layers of meaning. As I am trying to say, they can deconstruct for us toxic ideas they have that have kept our life sort of stuck for some time, but they can also reconstruct for us, trip us into new ways of thinking and living that are important. The philosopher Paul Ricoeur writes, metaphor forces conceptual thoughts to think more. He means by this that metaphors help us to see things in new ways and adds to our understanding of God and ourselves. He continues his line of thinking in his fabulous book, and he says, Metaphor is living by virtue of the fact that it introduces the spark of imagination into thinking more at the conceptual level. This struggle to think more, guided by the vivifying principle, is the soul of interpretation. I love that. Metaphors give the spark of imagination to our minds, to our thinking. And then lastly, metaphors are catalytic for a community life. When we begin to see things in new ways, it's inspiring. There's a rush of energy that leads to new ways of living. What I think of here is Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. The series of images and metaphors that he gave America gave us the ability to see in a new way. If you remember with me in that beautiful sequence, I'll just pull out one of the metaphors. He says, I have a dream. That my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racists, with his governor having its lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls and sis- as sisters and brothers." He paints this image of the table, the diversity of American peoples coming together again. Metaphors are catalytic for community life. Think of what happens when you're at your work, you guys decide to actually think through the why of where you're headed as an organization. There's, when, when you finally kind of get to the core of what you do for people and why it matters in the world, there's the synergy, isn't there? That's because the power of metaphor has been reawakened for you. I love what Ian Barber says here. He says, Where poetic metaphors are used only momentarily in one context for the sake of an immediate expression or insight, religious symbols, which he means religious metaphors, become part of the language of a religious community. In its scripture and liturgy, in its continuing life and thought, religious symbols are expressive of human emotions and feelings and are powerful in calling forth response and commitment. Metaphors are catalytic for community life. So then I want to just conclude by this talking through just lastly, this metaphor, God is a coyote. What am I saying when God is a coyote? I'm not saying that God is literally a coyote with fur and flesh. I'm saying that God is intelligent and that God is flexible and that that God is slippery and even mysterious, oftentimes going, finding new ways and roundabout ways become new ways. I'm saying that God is elusive at times. There's this presence and absence of God. There's this hiding and seeking to God. Isn't isn't this good? Just the way that it has tripped you into these insights about God. I also just using this metaphor, God is a coyote. I thought about God being historical and sort of um, for us in the Christian tradition is the word became flesh in a certain moment in first century Palestine. A man, a a man from Galilee who is fighting for justice, a man who dies on a cross and sort of um, at the very worst of the system of Rome is unleashed upon his body. A man who stands up for these insider, outsider laws that are going on. So there's this historical reality to God is a coyote. And that comes out in this poem. And then sometimes God is scary, like holy, fearful, like this, the word holy can be kind of refound by like this experience of a coyote. And then God is liberating. I thought about this word coyote and the way this word coyote has taken on another layer in our culture. It's a colloquial Mexican Spanish term referring to the practice of aiding people across the U.S.-Mexico border. So God is a coyote, the one liberating those who have been caught in bondage and taking them to a land where they can perhaps have a meal and have a new life. And so God as a coyote teaches us a lot about what it means to, to think through God. And it offers us this question. Could God be the one who frees us from our fears, our anxieties, and small-mindedness and invites us to an ever-expanding life of love and happiness? Are you ready to meet a coyote and dance with God? When you startled me on the running trail, proud coyote, it was astonishing. A fusion of mystery and wonder. Should I take my shoes off or race away? Rather, in the dirt, we danced for a moment. Your eyes, bright stars, distant and defiant, Scanning prospects, you are fearless. That's why they fear you. Your coat is like Joseph's, tan, brown, gray, bold. Nimble are your steps, your body relaxed but alert. Exquisite creature, wily and warring. Your survival a struggle like Israel's master of environments, intelligent, adaptive, flexible, student of change, outspoken, non-conformist, have heard your battle cries resisting, your who, who, who's insisting, your diaspora life persisting, your existence haunting, stubborn and unbending, taking your blessing. How I wished my heart blazed like yours. And then you politely nodded and trotted away. And in that moment, I remember the dusty trails, the cries and calling of my God from Bethlehem to Calvary, justice insisting, death resisting, life persisting, Prophetic and pragmatic, chutzpah and holy fire, grace and mystery transfusing. Su will you transform me and dance with me until the fire returns. Dance with me until the fire returns.